Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? All right. Morning. How are you doing? I'm not bad, thanks. It's a lovely, lovely, beautiful day here today, so uh, I'm enjoying enjoying some sunshine for change. My nose is uh, typically pink, as is usual at this time of year. Um, we have a full pod for you today. We're going to be guessing our way through the 26-man squad for the for the Euros, which is obviously starting very, very soon, which I'm very excited about. So we're going to be looking at defenders and goalkeepers today. Um, from there, we're going to also look at some of Rob Page's comments that have been particularly interesting this week as well as a quick look at Newport, who qualified for the playoffs. We're also going to touch on some of the women's players who as well, who, who have had who have had a very mixed week, I think it's safe to say, from some uh, uh, some people's angles. I'm muttering quite a lot today. Anyway, um, so Ruth, what we've said we're going to do here is talk through the, the squad. I'm intrigued to see how you are going to use your kind of bonus three players, as I have referred to them for the 23-man squad. My logic was I'd have two players for each position, uh, which would take me to 22, and then obviously a third goalkeeper. So I'm intrigued. You know, we don't want to reveal too much, but is this? Do you are you going to go for one extra defender, one extra midfielder, one extra attacker, or are you going to, you know, be flexible in that department? I think I've done a mixed approach actually. Um, I think I, I, I suppose to, yes, to all intents and purposes, I've probably ended up with an extra positional player in each third of, of the field, I guess. I think those are the pe- that that's where I'd be sacrificing if you asked me to drop it down to 23 again. So okay. I, I think so. I'm sticking with three goalies, uh, though I'm not pushing that out to any more than three. Okay, well, let's, let's start there then, because I don't think there's too much to talk about. Um, are you looking here at what you think will happen or what you would do if, if you were Rob Page? What a thought. <laughs> now I've, I've gone down the what I think is the most likely scenario um, because I think at this point you know there's more kind of purpose in trying to home in on what what Paige is is uh, is thinking. Uh, there's there's yeah. quite a lot to talk about actually in terms of it being his thinking, but we'll we'll come to that a bit later. I think. Yes, yeah. we will absolutely. Um, so you go for it for the three goalkeepers i can't imagine there's going to be oodles of discussion here but you go for it no i i mean i think we're going to see hennessy ward and davies just as we have had in march um it's interesting i mean davies has actually been playing for stokey's since since mid-march he's only missed one game otherwise he's been he's been playing in every game uh so obviously I think if his if his the timing on his injury had been a little bit different and he'd he'd actually been playing a little bit before those March games, I think he would be making a case for for, for being the starting goalkeeper. But given they went with Ward, you know, a little inexplicably for me in March, I I, I don't know which way they're going to swing. I like Hennessy's experience. I like the fact he's never let us down. What is Danny Ward actually bringing to the table? I can't see that there's much other than that he's been playing in goal for us recently. Davies is the one with the uh, the game time over the last couple of months. So I, I, I think we're still at that kind of uh, about which one to go with. They seem to be favouring Ward. Whether that stays the same with the, with the change at, at the helm, I don't know. 
But I think I think this is actually one of the really interesting positions that's going to come out of the the squad get-togethers that are, that are coming up. Um, I think it will be interesting to see if Davies is actually much more sharp than the other two, and can they actually see that on the training field, and and do they value that? It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I I would agree with you. Those are the three that I think will go. It's a funny one because when he got injured, he came on instead of Hennessy, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So a minute ago, he was the number one. Ward was number three. Now it looks like Ward is number one. <laughs> and Davis is back to number three, most likely. I agree with you, though. Obviously, Davis is playing a lot. Like you said, he's played a lot since March. Um, I think what I do wonder is if Davis doesn't become the number one, he, I don't think he ever will. I think if you are playing the only, if you're the only person who's playing regularly and you can't displace two people who aren't, they've already made the decision to drop Hennessy in the last competitive games for whatever reasons. You've got to wonder if you if you're Davis. I'm the only one who's playing all the time here. Yeah, I can't get. A, I, I, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to get a look. So I, 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 my alternative solution would be to drop one of these and take someone like Owen Vaughan Williams or even um, the young lad at Norwich who would gain some experience from it on the basis they're not going to play. Owen Vaughan Williams would be a good man to have around the squad. He's very popular with the squad and the players. Equally, the lad at Norwich, Daniel Barden, he he would gain a lot from that. Probably not going to play, obviously, but I think that would be maybe an interesting way to go. I don't know which one of the three you drop to make room for them, but I, I think that would be an interesting... That would be an interesting way to do it for me. Do you think that means... Do you think the Ward will be the number one? I th- I think based on what we saw in March, yeah, probably. But I, I actually think this might be quite fluid. I th- I'm hoping this is one that they're leaving open to see what is demonstrated in, in, the, in the squads. Because it might be clear that you, you need Hennessy's kind of experience in terms of marshalling a reasonably uh, novice defence. For example, if if Ben Davies' injury doesn't doesn't heal in the sort of time frame they're talking about, although it sounds quite positive at the minute, um, and you haven't got him kind of in charge across the back line, then there may be more merit in having waning goal to kind of orchestrate that a little bit more. Uh, so I think I think there are balances there as well. But I think if if we were putting out a team tomorrow, based on what happened in March, I think we're most likely to see Ward in goal. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you on Ward in goal. I think that's the most likely outcome. It's still not the outcome I would do. Um, no. But I think that is probably the most likely outcome, as you say. I think it is that, that is it's a really interesting thing that that has become a big deal, though, isn't it? Because for such a long time, that was, you know, there was no arguing over that position. I wonder if if Ward plays in these those those recent games in March as a, as a semi audition, if you like, and Hennessy wasn't perhaps a hundred percent fit, and they'll make their decision on that. Maybe they've already had that conversation with them. I don't know, but it's interesting that it's gone from a nailed on to a not so sure. Um, Mm-hmm. To look at the defenders, Tom Lockyer getting injured obviously isn't going to make the tournament. Is a big. Blow. I'm not sure that's so clear cut now. There's been noises out of Luton that that he might 
you might be under consideration. Oh, really? I have missed that. Um, mm-hmm. So out of interest then, well, I'll tell you what, we'll come to that. But let's start with the fullbacks because I would say they're probably pretty much nailed on, aren't they? If, if, assuming we're going to take four fullbacks, who have you gone for? Well, you go first for a change. <laughs> I was just trying to find out about Tom Googling Tom Lockie. I can't do two things at once. Um, I think it's quite a a simple one, really. I, I think Gunter, Reese Norrington, Davis, Nico Williams, and and Connor Roberts will go. I, how you kind of split those up, I think, is an interesting conversation as well, because I think Gunter ultimately, I think, is actually probably likely going as an auxiliary. Uh, as an auxiliary centre half, I think, because if mm-hmm. if let's say Connor Roberts gets injured, I think Nico Williams would come across the right back and Reese Norrington Davis would play left back. So I don't think that Gunter gets in there. I think he gets in as a as a defender. But for the sake of the uh, of the of the logic, that's the four I've gone for. I think that's I can't see that being any other way. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think it sounds like we're both assuming that Ben Davies is more likely to be playing as a as a left side of a three centre backs. Is that what you're picturing? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think that's. I think his best position for Wales is is in that role. I don't <laughs> think as much as I love Ben Davies, I don't think he's quite as dynamic as the other two in an attacking sense. So I think that's his best spot. I think it would make use of his experience better as well to have him a little a little more central. Um, just for for the point I was making a few minutes ago when we were talking about the keepers, actually, yeah. I think I think his tournament experience and his reading of the game um, would actually be much more valuable pulled inside. Are, have you come at this assuming we're playing three at the back, five at the back, Ben Davis, as opposed to a four? Yeah, I, I I don't see just the way we've lined. If we lined up that, that way against the other two uh, in the last two games, sorry, I, I don't see that changing. Um I say last two, obviously last two competitive games, but I, yeah, I don't see that changing. I think that utilizes, if you like, a lot of our players in their best positions, especially going forward. Which again, I know we're going to come to in the in the uh, next week's podcast. But um, yeah, I think that is where we gain from this system is that it allows a lot of our other players to do their best work. It's not necessarily my favorite system, but I think as I, I've used this analogy before, I don't think changing it gets in a player who is so good that we can't leave them out in the same way that leaving someone out doesn't leave a gaping hole somewhere. I think it is to an extent six and two threes. I do have reservations over it. If we were kind of chasing a game, I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure how it would work if we're kind of trying to lap up pressure against an Italy. But again, that is a, that's a story for another day. I, I, it's definitely what we're going to go for in my view. I assume you're, you're the same on that. I think it's what we'll end up playing. I, I don't, I, it's, I still, I'm having trouble with it because it tends to sacrifice Kiefer Moore, or at least it has tended to sacrifice Kiefer Moore recently. And that's where our goals are coming from. Even if it's not directly, that's where our goals are coming from. And I think when you've got a striker in form in the way he's been informed for Cardiff, it's a little short-sighted not to be utilising him more than we have been in the most recent competitive games. And so I think the four and five at the back question for me is more about what does that mean further further forward? Um, so I think while we're looking at this as a squad, I think we have to assume it's going to be five at the back because I think that's the most likely scenario. 
but I think ultimately how that plays when we when we ultimately get to a point where we're starting to talk about starting 11s and things I think there's a it the waiting becomes a concern for me I think to to just to briefly go back to your point about Kiefer Moore I think it's interesting how gigs previously and uh, and Paige moving forward have often talked about form players and my mate O's if you're listening hello O's he very often makes the point that gig slash page have made a rod for their own back to an extent talking about players need to be playing players need to be in form and then potentially turning their back on one of our most um, in form and consistently playing players in Kiefer Moore to change this new system and again I'm not suggesting you change system every time someone has a good run of games but I, I, I do I, I, I find that quite an interesting look at it is that they've almost created a problem for themselves that they they don't need to and I and I don't know whether the, the plan was always to play five at the back and more playing the way he has is that is the thing that has created the problem for themselves or if they were always going to go back to this five at the back like I said and and they that's what they're kind of wedded to in terms of tactics and a setup and whatever and they were always going to revert to that do you know what I mean yes I, I mean that that was how we started out uh, but I, I, I agree with you I agree with O's I, th- I think making any kind of you know, pronouncement about your approach, particularly for an international manager, is dangerous because you actually have relatively little control <laughs> over yeah, things. Yeah, so. You know, uh, you you are you're seeing the players by definition. You're seeing them intermittently. You're relying on what's happening on the clubs. You, you know, what does inform mean? All of that sort of thing. So I think, I think, kind of, you know, espousing a, a, a you know, aspirational is one. thing thing but when it's a little bit when you become a little bit dogmatic about that sort of thing obviously it's dangerous um i do i i I just see as more likely to be starting games with a five bringing Kiefer more you know sacrificing someone at the back and bringing Kiefer more on if we're getting desperate in the last 15 minutes i think that's the pattern we're going to be following oh yeah I, i would agree in that sense and i think also I think the flexibility that we have in our squad allows us to do that in a way with with a lot of the players that we have that are key players. If we need to go four at the back, well, actually, or it's switch back to five at the back or whatever, someone like Ethan Ampadu can do both roles, can't he? So, yeah. uh, you know, if you need someone else in the back, Gunter can maybe play as a centre-half. So it's, it's, it is quite fluid, which, again, is something I, I do like. I have looked at the Tom Lockyer thing. They were talking about two months after an ankle operation which he had on the 6th of April, I think, is my best is my best research. So I think, realistically, you're looking at him recovered, recovered Sorry, by the 6th of June. You know, he's not going to be match fit there, even if he comes back up two weeks earlier, say, from an ankle ligament operation. Is he going to be match fit? I, I don't know. Maybe he would go in the squad and build his way into fitness. I think that, that could be a possibility because, you know, jumping a little bit far ahead rather than just go kind of going back and forth. I actually think a lot of our defenders pick themselves in terms of who I think will go. Um, so just looking at combinations, I've gone Davis and James Lawrence would be my kind of left-sided centre-back. I think Page likes and Giggs like uh, James Lawrence. He is left-footed, mm-hmm. which I think is a big thing for him. He is He is good in the air. He's a big lad, and I think that works for us as well. So I think those two will go on that side. Rodden and Mepham 
with the other two, um, I, I would put together. And then I think the last two is where you're having a... That's potentially where you could have an argument because let's assume Lockyer doesn't make it. Then who are your other two? Probably Kibango will be one of them. And then, I don't know, does Chester go? It would seem unlikely. Someone like Brandon Cooper, does he come into it? Or does what I think will happen happen? <laughs> what, where are you with that? I actually, I think I'm taking a player less than you at the back. Because um, I think my definites are Roberts, Guns, Williams, Norrington, Davies, Davies, Rod, and Lawrence. And then I think I'm only taking two of Cabango, Mepham, and Lockyer. And Lockyer is probably at the bottom of that list because of what you were what you were saying. I think they might try and take him to Portugal and see how he's doing, and you know ev- evaluate it from there as to whether he makes the 26 or not. Um, but in my head, I'm I'm I've got amp- you know if we've got absolutely got an emergency need at the back, I would be dropping Ampadu back. I think more readily than taking defenders just as knowing that they're not going to make your top your top seven or eight yeah. um i think if it, if we were in an emergency situation we'd be moving Ampadu back there anyway yeah i think that was my that was what i was going to say as well is that, that i would notionally class Ampadu as a defender here on the basis that that in my 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 logic mm-hmm. that creates an extra space for a midfielder somewhere else um so that that was my logic so yeah i would i think it's really tough between cabango and lockyer which one which one goes and which one misses out because cabango has obviously been playing fairly recently and, and and fairly well for swansea um i think we're in a position where you may be taking a gamble on someone who you don't need to take a gamble on. I think ultimately, for me, it comes down to one isn't notably better than the other to make enough of a difference. So I, I don't wish this, wish this to sound harsh, but I, I don't care. Like, I do care, but like it doesn't matter. Um, I think the only difficult, the only question mark I would have is that they seem to place, uh, which I think is good, quite a high tariff on loyalty. Um, and I would wonder if Lockyer would be given every opportunity to get there on the basis of what he's contributed to get us there and I know life doesn't work that way but I wonder if he if he can make himself fit someone would say sorry Ben you'll have your chance in the future whereas Lockyer might be a slightly different kettle of fish that's the only thing I can think of um yeah I mean, yeah I can see that argument I think the there there is no point if if your squad doesn't have to be listed until June 1st then make the use of the time see who's you, you know you, you don't know what's going to happen in some of these playoff games for example whereas you know we're the Swansea players here that are going to be playing in some heavy tough games potentially we don't know what's around the corner so I would be pushing that date out as much as you can giving all of the players a chance to show their worth get the Portugal trip you know under the belt and you know, just see where everyone's at, and then, then do these nudges around the edges. And and you're right with the 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 I don't know, maybe twenty of them 
22 of them even are, are givens really aren't they we're at, we're arguing about the last three or four names yeah, on the true. list here yeah that's very true it, it is and it, it is difficult like it is difficult because you know someone's got to make this decision somewhere so i, I don't envy them for that and there mm-hmm. are still at this stage you know enough ifs to make it difficult um i think yeah if, if i if i was going to be pushed i would say my third uh, my my kind of final centre back in inverted commas would be Ampadu on the basis that I could take another midfielder there, and I I think you're the same, right? Yeah, I would I would. Well, we saw it in um, the game against the Czechs when we reorganised at the back after Connor Roberts was sent off. It was it was Ethan that was moved back, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and and part of that threw down to ten, but it, you know that was the first way to solve the problem was to move him back. And I, I think I think that's the most likely scenario. We'll have our favoured three starting in the middle, which I think will be Davies, Rodden and Lawrence. And then it wouldn't surprise me if Ampadu's actually next on the list if we need a replacement there. Yeah, I agree. And then maybe that goes into what I'm saying about giving Lockyer the chance to get himself fit as well. It, again, like I said, to all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter which one is the extra man you take there. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about Rob Page and Ryan Giggs and who's who, so to speak, uh, so far. Um, Rob Page made some very interesting comments this week, I thought. Well, last week, actually. Sorry, now we're recording on, on Monday. But it made some very interesting comments, I thought, about who was picking the squad, who was making the decision. And he was talking about Albert and Kit Simons, who's someone else we're going to mention in a minute, who's who's joined the backroom staff, um, and talking about it to the players. And it was very notable that... Giggs didn't have his name called out in that particular list. Do we think that that is kind of good PR and they're doing and saying the right things? Or do we think he's genuinely out of the picture for now and it is just fully Rob's page, Rob Page's team? Oh, I, th- I think it's I think it's Page's team. I, I mean, I think he's he said as much. You know, there was a there was a point where he said, you know, decisions and finalizing things. That's on me me as you know me page <laughs> i'm in charge of the decisions now there were phrases, there were phrases. The squad. <laughs> Whoa. There, were, there were phrases like that and um it, it almost sounded like uh, they'd had a kind of um almost like a handover meeting is is the way that i felt that been that discussion between him and gigs they'd clearly discussed something in the last week or so uh, but it's very clear that the 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 way he's talking about his role is not it's not as a conduit anymore, and and the way the FA is talk, FAW is talking about his role is not as a conduit. He is in charge. He he is the manager taking us to the Euros, and I'm very grateful that we've uh, we've made that cut, yeah. as it were, um, and given everybody the clarity and the focus, and removed even the slightest kind of attention going in that direction, I think is really important. Yeah, uh, and I'm, I, he, every time he's interviewed, I, he, he speaks better and better. Um, I mean, I had to laugh, for example, when they were talking about injuries and he had to ask whoever was questioning him about, they were talking about Joe Allen and he couldn't remember which, which player was injured, which again, I take as a good sign because it means you're not, it, you're not like f- fretting yeah. about, Joe Allen's status, if you know what I mean. Um, so I, I just, I'm, I've been very impressed. I can't say anything else. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I agree with what you said as well. It'd be quite cynical to say it's a PR move. I think it is genuine and I think it alleviates. We've talked for a while about wanting clearer communication and I think we've got that. It's very, you know, it's, it's there in black and white, isn't it? This is now his team moving forward. And I think Kit Simons coming in is a, is a good example of that. I think he obviously understands the setup. He knows the players. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a very, very shrewd and sensible appointment given the circumstances. Yes, I mean, I think to bring someone in at this late stage is difficult. So at least to have someone that's comfortable in the environment and knows the environment. You know, there's a lot of the younger players that might not know him particularly. Um, But I I think the fact that he's sort of embedded in the... and familiar with the the back room arrangements, as it were, is just going to make it easier for him to hit the ground running as well, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And I think it's... uh... Like we said, just a shrewd and sensible appointment. I don't think you need anyone fancy or whatever to come in and do anything, um, you know, groundbreaking. I think it's just a, a very much wants it to be more of the same, kind of a continuation mm-hmm. of what they're doing. I think Kit uh, Sams will get, get, will get on board with that. Um, to move on to something slightly different before... Can, we, can I just mention, mention something else about Paige that I thought was, was interesting? One, I was glad when they were talking about the racism issues because the interview was just a few days after the uh, social media blackout wasn't it and we'd yeah. already there'd already been instances of some players being abused and, and Paige was talking about how he'd be reaching out to Rabi personally so I was, I was just pleased to hear that um, I think there's also th- the points that he made about the Belgium game as a leveler and a kind of reality check I thought were really impressive as well you know acknowledging that yes we're on a we're, we're developing here our development has raised expectations but there's still clearly a gap and you know what are, and and by inference what we're going to do to match that gap um, and again I thought that was impressive uh, to be put on the spot like that and then talk so so openly and easily about it it was it was uh, very encouraging yeah, I, I I don't like to make these comparisons, but I'm gonna now I've said that make it anyway. But um, I I thought there was a lot of Chris Coleman in the way he spoke, um, quite clear, quite direct, quite solid, but always looking up, never kind of satisfied with our lot, which was always what Coleman seemed to be about, kind of positivity and looking looking ahead. So I that kind of that struck a chord with me. So hopefully. Um, he'll have as much success as uh, Chris Coleman did. No pressure, Rod Page, if you're <laughs> if you're listening. Um, yeah, there is one thing that we did want to mention. Um, I don't know if you what you want to say as well, Ruth. But uh, Ruth and I have launched um, something very new and something very exciting to us. Um, a new website called Cymru One Fifty. So that's Cymru and then the numbers One Fifty dot com. Um, we have worked with a couple of people to create some prints some posters in the build-up to the euros so uh, please do head over and have a look you can follow us on twitter at cymru150 and it's also on instagram at cymru150 as well um i don't know how you feel about it ruth but it's quite you know it's taken us a lot of hard work to get to this point where we can kind of push push the website out and also i think we're i think we're really kind of proud of the of the first kind of batch of images we've released yeah i mean it's it's an it's a new endeavor for us we'll see how it goes um I'm very pleased with the with the with the prints and uh, grateful for the artists that have have helped us get you know to get to where it is. Um, it's been a learning experience. I mean, I've learned a whole lot about launching a, <laughs> launching a website. Web I won't pretend yeah. otherwise. Um, but yeah, we'd love love people just to get across there and, and have a look and um, yeah, just 
give us some feedback, see what you think. Obviously, ideally, buy a print, but even if you can just give us some feedback on the on what's there and, you know, what other things. I know, I know a lot of people when we had um, Game of Blood out in the March break and were celebrating Gunt's uh, century of of caps were asking about the imagery that we use so that's one of the that's one of the pictures that's there so if you if you love that image of guns and a sombrero and um, all these welsh caps then then head on over because that's one of the ones that we've included in this in this first batch but um yeah we'll see how it goes yeah absolutely it's exciting and i think leah would like thanks to ollie uh colleague of mine who who kind of helped with the design um thanks to adam winston as well who designed uh two of the other ones which are fantastic like the outline of wales with Plydol Oivim Glad um, is kind of writing in there with cartoon uh, images of some of, some of Wales's greatest players. So got that in two different colours. I created like a, a little version of Choose Wales, Dewis Cymru, after the you know inspired, shall we say, by the by the train spot in Choose Life speech. Um, so again, you know, really happy with what we've got there. Um, and please have a look. It's the first of many. We hope we we hope to create some more. We hope to have more stuff coming soon, like mugs and t-shirts and badges and pint glasses. And we've got loads of new designs that we are we are waiting to release. It just obviously depends on how well this goes. So uh, please, yeah, please go and have a look. Like Ruth said, Cymru one hundred and fifty. That's the numbers one hundred and fifty dot com. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cymru one hundred and fifty. And yeah, let us know what you think. And please. Yeah, if there's anything you like or anything you would like differently, you know, any requests or whatever, then uh, then please let us know. We'll do our best to accommodate. Um, and if and if you're intrigued by the name, just hit the about page because that's where the story is about the name. Yeah, I was very happy with that. I love that it took you about uh, some solid solid working out to get there. Ruth, we got there in the end. So yes, please do have a look at that. Um, to return to some football, I was absolutely delighted to see Newport get into the playoffs um as always never did things the easy way it was a stressful game they went one nil down against south end already relegated came back uh with a with a great header from dimitri from a from a long throw and tom king made what i would describe as an outrageously good penalty save um have you have you caught any of it ruth yeah i was actually wondering whether just going back to the squad discussions whether Tom King should be along, you know, as your penalty shootout specialist <laughs> goalkeeper. Which <laughs> is it? a little niche, I realise, but it was tempting. No, I like that. His Who is stats it? are amazing. He's like, he's, I think I was looking up over the course of his time, he's saved five and they've only scored nine on him. And his ratio for this season is even better. It's damn impressive. I didn't know that. That's good. That's good stuff. It was, I think it was Tim Krull who, uh, who was uh, Van uh, Van Hal's super sub in the in the World Cup ones? Mm-hmm. I think he came off and saved a couple of pens as well. So yeah, maybe Tom King could be our Tim Kroll. Uh, there's, I'll tell you what, stick that <laughs> stick that on a t shirt if he goes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I hadn't I thought think, of that. I think they've they've done incredibly well to regroup after yeah. losing Klein and Cooper in the in the you know transfer reshuffle in January and the you know the the I don't know what to call it, the field <laughs> that is Rodney Parade. Um, and I think all in all, they've just, they, they've had a very good, I mean, it's only, it's amazing, but it's it's four years since that day when they didn't get relegated. And yeah. to have, you know, made made the playoffs twice in the three seasons intervening 
Uh, bit concerned about Josh Labadee, although his his tweet yesterday from his hospital bed seemed seemed promising. Um, frightening. It sounded like they listening to Mike Flynn's interview. They it sounded like they couldn't stop the bleeding, which is yeah, it was yeah, must be scary. Yeah, must I, be scary. I think he's someone who'd be a big miss for them. Obviously, they've got Joe Ledley on the bench, who's uh, not a bad person to come in, I suppose. If if if, if Labadee can't play, the the first game is against Forest Green, who they drew with and lost against this season so hopefully they can get the full set and they can get the win and that would be uh, that would be perfect but uh, yeah I, I think I, I wrote a blog for for Welsh football fans uh, which went out today and the big word was kind of resilience and a kind of grit every time that they've needed to do something somehow they've managed to find a way and they've scored some great passing goals they've scored some great footballing goals but yesterday was a perfect example where they, you know, you know, were far from the better side, but got the ball in the back of the net and kept it out when it mattered. And I think that has summed up Newport this year. So super excited for them. Really looking forward to the playoffs. Um, I think the first home leg is on uh, Tuesday the 18th, I think. I'm not sure whether it's... I'm pretty sure they're home first. But yeah, just uh, something exciting for Newport. And hopefully they can get across the line. Obviously, after losing to Tranmere two years ago in extra time in the playoffs so in the final at Wembley so fingers crossed they can uh, they can get that monkey off their back and, and get themselves uh, into League One um, someone else who does not need the playoffs to achieve anything that was a terrible link uh, was <laughs> Sophie Ingle so congratulations to Sophie Ingle who won the Women's Super League at the weekend uh, obviously they're in the Champions League final with Chelsea she's in the Champions League final sorry with Chelsea as well so could be a fantastic end of the year for her, but what a what a fantastic achievement for a wonderful player. Yeah, potentially four four trophies coming up for them. Uh, that'd be quite a season, wouldn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah good good luck for the weekend. Um, be lovely to have another another Welsh player on our on our list of uh, European champions for, for their respective clubs. But a tough game against Barcelona. But uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, fingers crossed for Sophie and uh, and and, uh, and the Chelsea team, and maybe we can get Adam to draw uh, a picture of Sophie Ingle hopefully over the weekend to add to our next designs as well. Um, <laughs> uh, sad news, however, for um, Gemma Evans and Megan Wynn. Um, they were both relegated on the last day with Bristol City. Uh, looking back at the bottom end of that division, Ruth. It is a it's a it is a tough league at the bottom there. I've got to be honest. I think Bristol City only won two games all year. I think Birmingham City who stayed up by two points only won three all year. I think the last time that Birmingham won was in November, which tells you a lot. They had a point deducted for fielding an an illegible player. Um, ineligible, not illegible. <laughs> you could see you could see the name on the shirt. Um, ineligible. She yeah. Uh, against Reading so they lost a point there so kind of kept kept, kept keeping things alive um, up until uh, late late in the season and then ironically Kaylee Green's Brighton team were the one who relegated mm-hmm. them with a 3-1 defeat yeah it is it is tough um, the the sch- you, it, it's sad to see in some respects the schism that's starting to come across that league it's not dissimilar to the, the men's Premier League where you've got some shall we say well endowed well resourced teams and then some some others that you know the the likes of Birmingham and Bristol and 
haven't got the income levels as a football organization i think the fact that they're they're putting as big a proportion as they are into into the women's side of things is you know they should be congratulated for that and i think it makes it very tough for them to um to compete with the the teams where the income stream is just such a different level yeah i think that's the thing that's what struck me when I was looking through the, the the league table on the weekend to look out for Sophie and uh, of course for for the uh, for the others as well, in that Chelsea have lost once this season, Man City once, and then even the next few Arsenal, Man United, Everton four five and eight, and then the drop off is just huge when you look at Bristol City lost fourteen, Birmingham City lost thirteen. Um, Villa lost thirteen, West Ham lost thirteen, Spurs lost twelve. Like the, the the gap there, like you said, is is really noticeably broad. Um, so, yeah, it's a it is it's it's an interesting one. So, uh, like you say, it's great that there's money going into it, but it something I think we need to do something to make the, the make it a competitive and watch more watchable league at times as well. In the sense of not that the football's not great, but in the in terms of the competition, there's some games which you know are just going to be write offs. I remember seeing some kind of ludicrous score lines through the year in some of the league games like Chelsea like Reading have got a very good side you know like Tash Harding obviously mm-hmm. plays for them I Harrod James Rachel Rowe they had Jess Fishlock they lost 5-0 to Chelsea uh, obviously yeah. that was that was this weekend but you know it's it's uh it is quite a gap yeah and um, I agree I think uh I, I don't think there's an easy solution. I don't. I, I just think we need to look at before before things snowball even more. What ca, what can we do to help the competitiveness? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, we've kind of rattled through what we wanted to talk about today, Ruth. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to the list? Um, just to say to folks, if they're still interested in doing the survey on colemanhadadream.com with the Euros coming up, that we've um, we've taken on board what people have said they're interested in. We already have some interviews lined up based on people's sort of requests and emphasis um, and obviously more to follow on that. But, you know, you've still got a chance to have some input there. So colemanhadadream.com and look for the survey tab. Yeah, absolutely. Please do get involved. We, we're, we're acting on the things that people are asking from us uh, in terms of the interviews we've got lined up and what content is going to be in Game of Willard, which is uh, going to be, we're going to have uh, an edition of that that's going to be out for the two friendlies and of course a Euro special as well. So so keep your eyes peeled for those as well. Obviously, we've got some great blogs on our site at the minute, some end of season stuff um, from some of our writers, Gareth Pierce. Um, I'm trying to remember the names off the top of my head, Ryan Jewell. <laughs> Um, Mark, who does some great stuff for us about Swansea. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff on the website as well. So please do go and have a look at that. Um, otherwise, Ruth, I think uh, I might actually be able to... I might be on time for tea this week. Okay. That's a nice novelty. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you won't, won't be quite so in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although the downside of this is I might be asked to do something which I don't really think is going to be uh, <laughs> going to be popular for anyone when it comes to the outcome. But anyway, I'm no chef. Um, but thank you very much for your time anyway um, just a reminder to go and have a look at colmanadadream.com please go and have a look and tell us what you think of cymru150.com and thank you very much for listening thank you for your time Ruth as always you're welcome you're welcome nice chatting always yes thank you Um, and we will be back next week uh, with another podcast thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye bye